0: Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. And
1: you know, there's something so satisfying when you endure. And I know from experience, you know, when you don't endure, when you give up, when you you decide to drop out before the finish line or whatever, there's that disappointment that, man, when you just press through and you cross the finish line, you're like, yes, that's right, that's good. This is Christianity.
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Hebrews. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 26 through 39, in a message titled, No Turning Back. Now here's Pastor Brian.
1: They might've pulled off that murder and nobody ever found out. And man, when they finally lay there and they take their last breath, they think, oh, wow, I made it. I got, I got off with it. Nobody caught me. And guess what? The moment they open their eyes, they're right before the ultimate judge who knows everything that they did. So the reality is there's a judgment coming. The context here is that the, the judgment comes Hard upon those who reject Christ. Now, that's point number one. Secondly, though, I want you to notice the personal appeal that the author makes. So he says to them in verse 32. He says, first of all, he calls them to remember. He says, but recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. And then he says, for you had compassion on me in my chains. So we see that the, the writer here, like I mentioned earlier, he's writing to them as... As someone who knows them. He's writing to them out of genuine personal concern. He has a relationship with them. He's not just as at a distance pronouncing judgment upon these unknown people or warning them about judgment, but he's saying, no, we know each other. And so his appeal to them is an appeal based on love. He has a genuine concern for them. And you know, sometimes it's hard to confront somebody about their sin. Sometimes it's hard to speak up and say to someone, look, hey, you're going the wrong direction. You need to get things right. And of course, there are those people out there that feel like they have a ministry of rebuking. And so they go around and they just (laughs) rebuke everybody. You know, they think everybody's backslidden. They think everybody's falling away and they've got a ministry. You know, anybody who thinks they have a ministry of rebuke, I don't think they do. Because real rebuke is is not something that you glory in doing. It's not something that you feel proud of. It's something that you, you really struggle to do, but you do it out of love. It's not easy to confront people, is it? It's unpleasant. I hate this part of the Christian life. I have to, at times, say hard things to people that I don't want to say. I would rather just not say it. But I have to say it. Why? Because of love. You know, if you love somebody, you're going to tell them the truth. The Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. A friend is going to wound you in order to spare you. Even though it's going to be painful in, in both cases. Even though sometimes it, it results in misunderstanding and it results in anger. But we have to do it. And, and this is what the writer is doing. He's taking it upon himself. You know, We know each other you ministered to me back at a time you had compassion on me and my chains. Now I'm, I'm going to reach out to you. I'm going to reciprocate. It's a different situation, but I'm going to tell you what you need to hear. Now, he, like I said, he says to them, recall the former days. So, you know, it's like, what happened to these people? He says, recall the former days. Remember back to the time when after you were illuminated, after you came to understand that Jesus was the Messiah, he says, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. You were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulation. You became companions of those who were so treated, for you had compassion on me in my chains. You joyfully accepted, he says, the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. He's saying, look, what happened? How has this come about? Remember how you used to be? And and how is it today that you're thinking about walking away from your trust in Jesus as the Messiah, when back here you were willing to suffer a loss of everything that you had for him? How do you explain that? You know, I have had, at times, I've had to ask people similar questions, people that I've known for years, people who are moving away from Christ. I've had to ask them, look, okay, what, what does this mean? What about the past? What about the transformation that seemed to take place in your life? What about your professed love for Christ? What was that? Was that all fake? Were you pretending? Was none of that real? Were you just under some kind of a, of a delusion? And, you know, sometimes people will say, well, you know, I don't know what was happening back then, you know, but now I, I know. And usually it's because there's something that they want to do that God will keep them back from. And so they're going to forget all the past, forget their commitment, forget even their suffering, and they're joyfully you know, accepting those kinds of things because, no, I've got to have this thing and God's going to hold me back. So I'm going to renounce and deny and pretend that nothing ever happened. I don't know if that's where they were, but maybe so. And so he, he asked them that question, you know, look, how did you go from there to, to where you're at today? They joyfully accepted suffering, reproach, tribulation, plundering, so what's happened? Well, what's happened is that things have remained difficult because we see that they were difficult early. And it seems to me, it never comes right out and you know specifically says it in the book, but it seems to me that they were tired of suffering. And they were disappointed that... Jesus did not return in their time frame. It seems that they were expecting things to be different than they actually turned out to be. And so this was now causing them to rethink. But listen, we have to understand that when we decide to follow the Lord, we're following the Lord who was going to a cross that's where Jesus was going. And that's what, and isn't that what Jesus said? If anyone come after me, let him deny himself and do what? Take up the cross. Jesus, the way of Jesus is the way of the cross. And you know, sometimes we are fooled into thinking that, well, you know, when you become a Christian, life just gets easier and everything gets better and it's going to be wonderful and it's going to be just fun and exciting, and you're never going to have another problem. Well, that's just not reality. But sometimes even preachers can present it like that. But it's not true. Now, I'm not saying being a Christian doesn't have some really wonderfully joyous and fun moments. It certainly does. And it certainly is. I'd be the first one to say that being a Christian is the great adventure of life. I love every minute of it. But if I stood up here and didn't tell you that it's also a life of suffering, I would not be telling you the whole truth. There is suffering there is affliction, there is hardship, there is difficulty. And sometimes it comes from the invisible realm where we don't really see what's going on, but there's a, an enemy behind the scenes that's, that's coming against us. Sometimes it comes in the form of you know bodily suffering. Sometimes it comes in the form of just hardship in life. Sometimes it takes on the form of fierce opposition and persecution from people who hate the gospel. And they want to Harm those who hold fast to it. But that's always been the case. And so he says to them, he reminds them, first of all, in the latter part of verse 34, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven, he says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance. This is what we all need to know about being a Christian. It is a long-distance race. It's a long-distance race. It's a marathon. That's what it is. It's a spiritual marathon. And in a marathon, you need endurance. That's what you need more than anything. You don't need speed. Speed's not the issue. You need to be able to keep going. And so it is in the Christian life. It's a There's this this element of endurance that is absolutely necessary. And Paul the Apostle, when he was at the end of his life, he said, I fought the good fight. I finished my race or I finished my course. Paul saw life as a course and actually it was an obstacle course. He saw it as a long distance run. I have fought the good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. And so it's endurance is absolutely necessary. We have to endure. We have to realize that yes, there is glory. Yes, there is a great reward. Yes, there is, of course, as he even refers to here, there's this enduring possession in heaven. There are the promises that we will receive but in order to do that we have got to endure now sometimes god's will for us is suffering peter tells us that and he says not to think that it's strange first peter chapter 4 he says beloved Do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of the sufferings of Christ. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. And then he says this, therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Notice what he said over here in the passage that we looked at. He said, you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, he's saying to them, listen, I know it's hard. I know you're going through difficulty. I know you're suffering. I know the challenges that you're facing. I mean, the guy who's writing to them was in prison. He said, you had compassion on me when I was in my chains. He knows what he's talking about. He's been there. But he says to them, you're in the will of God. Believe it or not, you're in the will of God. You know, as we look around today in the world and as we see uh, Christians suffering, and there are many that are suffering greatly, and we look at that and we think how wrong that is, and we wonder why somebody's not doing something about it. But the fact of the matter is, apparently these things are part of God's will. But we we don't... when I think about God's will, I'm not thinking in those terms. You know, when I say, gosh, Lord, I want to be in your will. I want to be in your will so much. Lord, man, if I could just suffer more for you, you know, that's not in my mental picture of what I'm praying for. You know, when we pray, God, use me, use me in a great way. I want to do so many wonderful things for you. God, I want to see so many people saved. I want to do all this stuff. And, you know, is suffering there you know, am I thinking that, and Lord, even if I have to suffer and die to see many come to you, then that's great. Let's do it. No, I'm not praying like that. I'm just, you know, we want all the glorious stuff, but let's leave the suffering for somebody else. But you know, there are times when God just says, you know, this is my will, and this is how I'm going to accomplish my purposes. And you know, this is what we see happening. We hear about the the horrific things that are happening. We hear about the barbarous. Uh, behavior of the ISIS people and the, the intense suffering, and yet we see that many people are coming to Christ through the witness of these people who are willing to give their lives for their faith. And many of them, their faith is so small. Many of them have never sat through a Bible study. Many of them have never gone from Genesis to Revelation. Many of them just know the, the basic things about Jesus, you know, that he's the son of God, and they just believe that, and they're, they're willing to lose their head over it. And other people look on, and they see that, and they say, that's powerful. That's real. I want that. And you see, God uses those things. N.T. Wright, in his book, How God Became King, he said this. He said, we should not be surprised, though many in the church down through the years would be very surprised to hear this that the early Christians understood their vocation as the followers of Jesus to include as a central and load-bearing element their own suffering, misunderstanding, and likely death. The suffering of the followers of Jesus is actually like Jesus's own sufferings, not just the inevitable accompaniment To the accomplishing of the divine purpose, but actually itself part of the means by which the purpose is to be fulfilled. This is the crazy thing. Jesus came and said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Follow me, and I'm going to the cross. And that's where you're going if you're following him. We're going to the cross. But remember, something happened after the cross, there was a resurrection. And so Jesus calls his disciples, and he's always called his disciples all throughout the ages, he's called us, part of our vocation is suffering. So Peter says, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. It's not strange. It's only strange if we fail to look at the plain statements of Scripture. Here, the author saying, you need endurance so that after you've done the will of God, listen, you're in the will of God right now. I know it's not easy, I know it's challenging, I know there's hardship, I know there's suffering, I know that it might end in death, but you need endurance so that you can receive the promise. There's something after, there's something that's coming. And you know, sometimes with trials and testings, they, they come to a conclusion in this life, thank God. And oftentimes, it's after those seasons, we come to the other side, and we receive the promise. We receive the reward. We receive a blessing. And we look back, and we realize, wow, that was so hard. But we would even say, you know, as hard as that was, I would do it again for the result. I would do it again because of what, you know, came out of it, the good that God brought through it. But even if it never ends in this life, of course we go into glory. And then it's all, it all makes sense then. But we can't lose sight of that. We have to remember that we've got an eternity ahead of us and that the things that happen in this life are, are really just, just preparatory for that. Now, so he says you need endurance. You need endurance. And you know, there's something so satisfying when you endure. There's something satisfying. And I know from experience, you know, when you don't endure, when you give up, when you, you decide to drop out, you know, before the finish line or whatever, you know, there, there's that, that disappointment. But man, when you just press through and you cross the finish line, you're like, yes, that's right. That's good. This is Christianity. There's difficult times. There's challenging things, but for those who endure, there's a great reward. The disciples of Jesus, they said to him at one point, they said, Lord, we've left everything for you. What are we going to get out of this? He said, when the son of man sits on the throne of his glory, you will sit on thrones with him. And everyone who's given up, father and mother and house and business and children and all all of these things that he lists will receive a hundred times more and eternal life. You see, we have to remember that the goal is in the life to come. And this life might well be challenging It might be filled with difficulties. And of course, the truth of the matter is, if we're going to make any kind of difference for the kingdom of God in this world that is dominated by sin and Satan, it's not going to be an easy road. It's going to have its challenges. But I don't want to overstate it. Of course, there's grace. God gives us grace. But I want to close with these words. Some of you are familiar with these words because they are the words to a song that we've sung over the years here many times over. Some of you, maybe you'll hear them for the first time. It's a simple song. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. I was in Montreal, Canada yesterday. There are four million people in Montreal And there are about 4,000 Christians. Four million people and maybe 4,000 Christians. A completely secular culture. Catholic Church once had a strong grip on the culture. No longer, Catholic churches are mostly museums today. Nobody goes to them. They are very proudly secular. And faith in God is ridiculous in the minds of most people. And to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus in that culture, you are definitely the minority. You're definitely the weird person in the office or on the campus or whatever the case might be. But you know, I talked to several young men and women who are in university. Some of them are actually you know, teachers and schools and some of them are young professionals in various businesses and things, and just to see their faith, to see their love, and to know the context and to know that they're in an environment that is very challenging, but to see the vibrancy and their, their commitment to stand up for Jesus in the culture, man, I just was so blessed by them and so thankful for them, and may that be the case for us too. You know, Jesus said it. There's two roads, and one is narrow and one is wide. And on the narrow road, there aren't too many people. On the wide road, man, everybody's there. And the big temptation is to just jump onto the wide road with everybody else. But before you make the decision to do that, just remember where it's going. It's going to destruction. The broad road, it leads to destruction. Multitudes are on it. The narrow road leads to life. And there are few that find it. What's the difference? Of course, the narrow road is faith in Jesus. It's trusting in him. And the broad road is, is any, any other... Philosophy, you want to take any other religion you want to take, any other position, you don't have to have any, you just do your thing, go out there, and it'll all be okay, man. We're having fun, we're all partying, we're all on the road together, but the road ends in hell. That's the truth of the matter. And so, we need endurance so that after we have done the will of God, we would receive the promise, he says, for yet a little while he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. And here's what I love about the writer. All the way through, he does this. He gives them the strong warning, but he always comes back with a comforting word, essentially saying, hey, look, this is a real danger, but I know that that's not really the case with you. No, I, I, I have confidence. And he says the same thing here. He says, we are not of those who draw back to perdition. No, no, that's not us. We're the ones who believe to the saving of the soul. So he gives them that little word of encouragement. He gives them a strong warning. But then he says, but that's not you. No, you're not going to draw back to perdition. You're going to believe on to the saving of the soul. And let me say this, the final word is this. That's what it is to be a Christian. It's to believe to the saving of the soul. It's to continue to believe. It's not to just, you know, well, I started to believe in Jesus at one point, but I left that. No, if you did that, then you, you weren't a Christian. You might have had some kind of experience. You might have some kind of encounter. You might have had some kind of emotional connection. But being a Christian is, is a person who believes to the saving of the soul you endure. You believe all the way through. And may that be the case with each one of us.
0: For the month of February, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Gentle and Lowly The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. Isolation, distance, and conflict during these trying times have caused countless people to feel lonely and depressed. But for the Christian, the friendship of Jesus reaches even our deepest loneliness, and we can allow darkness and despair to drive us directly to Him. And when we come to Him, Jesus is able to match our every need with His mercies because He moves towards us with compassion. If you or someone you know needs to know the heart of God, you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. The book Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortlund is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you,